Wayne's lady. Bruce Wayne's lady. She's a sharp, sexy lady. Bruce Wayne's lady. Beautiful lady. Bruce Wayne's lady. Heart to love lady. Bruce Wayne's lady. Sells heart and soul. Give everything he owned. Would be easy to reform if she could go straight for one night. Welcome to Bad Books for Beginners. Chris and Jerry go to Gotham after dark to visit with the one and only Selena Kyle in Catwoman one year later. Welcome to Bad Books for Beginners. Hello and welcome to this edition of TBU's Bat Books for Beginners, episode 173. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And we are your hosts. On Bat Books for Beginners, we will examine story arcs with Batman and related characters. We'll give you the historical background of the book, break down the plot and the art, and give you our opinions so you can decide for yourself if they're worth a read. Today's Bat Book that Chris and I are covering is Catwoman, One Year Later, The Replacements. Chris, tell us a little bit about this book. Hey, thank you very much, Jerry. Hello, Batmans. Thank you very much for downloading. Catwoman, The Replacements is a 144-page trade paperback that was cover dated February 2007 and had a cover price of $14.99. This book reprints six issues of Catwoman Volume 3, starting with issue number 53, cover dated May 2006, through number 58, cover dated September 2006, which is the Catwoman One Year Later story arc. As with the books we covered last month, the first two issues were originally cover-priced at $2.50, and the latter issues were cover-priced at $2.99. The individual issues appear to be available on Comixology. If you're interested in going the hard copy route, the individual issues appear to be hovering around cover price for about $4 to a copy in fine condition. However, it is interesting to note that issue number 53 had a second printing variation with a red-colored background versus the first printing that had a blue background. And this second printing appears to go for four times to 20 times the cover price. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's that's an interesting variation there used for the second print. Now, if you'd rather try to obtain the hard copy of the trade paperback, most online vendors I found have have this for half the cover price for both new and used copies. Now, for our creative team, as usual, I'll go with my memory and some online resources. Our writer is Will Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer is 50 years old and a native of Niles, Ohio. He currently resides in Rockford, Illinois, and he's a huge film and movie fan. His first comics work for DC was a Vertigo title title (laughs) entitled The Finals, and The Finals was illustrated by Jill Thompson, and I have to confess I'm not familiar with this work. I first encountered Will Pfeiffer when he wrote a book called Hero, which was an updated and heavier take on the Dial H for Hero comics that some older fans of DC might be familiar with. It only ran for 22 issues, but I thought this was really an excellent series. He then worked on Swamp Thing and Aquaman with the notable Sub-Diego storyline. He's also worked on Demon and Amazon's Attack miniseries, Blue Beetle, Red Hood, and The Outlaws, and he also worked on The Teen Titans. David Lopez was the penciler, and Alvaro Lopez was the inker. David Lopez may be best known for co-creating the first volume of the Fallen Angel comic book series, which had a pretty decent fan following. Most recently, he worked on the all-new Wolverine title for Marvel Comics. Now, I wasn't able to find too much on Alvaro Lopez, apparently no relation. 
Other than he's recently done some inking chores on several Marvel books, including Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme, and the current Royals title, featuring the Inhumans. I have to mention that Adam Hughes was the cover artist. Hughes is 50 years old, and he's a native of New Jersey, and he presently resides in Atlanta. (laughs) Politely put, Adam Hughes draws beautiful women, or draws women beautifully, depending on how you look at it. We won't cover any controversy or polarizing subject matter on our show, though. One of Hughes' more notable works was a 2008 Real Power of the DC Universe poster depicting the women of the DC Universe wearing gowns and formal attire. I think it's fair to say that Hughes primarily does cover work. However, recently, in 2016, he's done the writing and artwork for the Archie title Betty and Veronica. Uh, I read it. I enjoyed it. I think there's only been three issues of that so far, and I don't know if there's any issues forthcoming. Before I hand it back over to you, Jerry, I just want to give our listeners a heads up that this story features several characters that we will talk about in the review portion, including, but not limited to, Holly Robinson, and the villains Film Freak and Angleman. Now, currently, this trade has an average score of four stars out of five on Amazon.com, but that's only based on three reviews. However, I did some more research, and based on the Goodreads website at Goodreads.com, this has a three-and-a-half star rating out of five based on 152 reviews and 12 written reviews. And with that, I shall turn it back over to you, Jerry. Well, thanks, Chris. Interesting how Pfeiffer is a movie fan because he's got a character in here that is too. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks. So Chris and I are going to talk about this story after a few messages from some of our friends. Warlord Worlds, a fan podcast devoted to the comic creations of Mike Grell, including Warlord, John Sable, Star Slayer, Shaman's Tears, and Green Arrow. I'm Darren. And I'm Ruth. you'll join us as we discuss the stories, characters, and art in the many excellent comics from writer and artist Mike Grell. Warlord Worlds is available at podbean.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. Find us at warlordworlds.com. Welcome back. Here's the story of Catwoman, One Year Later, The Replacements. A year after the events of Infinite Crisis, Selina Kyle is living under the name of Irina Dubrovna with her newborn baby girl, Helena. Holly Robinson, Selina's friend, has taken over as Catwoman. She might not be as smooth as Selina, but she is dangerous in her own right. She beats up a team of guys that have stolen 73 high-end video cameras. The guys are the underlings of an aspiring film director-artiste-poser named Edison. A mysterious photographer is following Catwoman around and taking photos of her. At GCPD headquarters, Officer Lenahan believes that Catwoman killed Black Mask. Nobody seems to care. It seems that most folks are glad Black Mask is dead and don't want to open up a big can of worms over it. The cops are interrogating one of the camera gang members, and he admits to Lenahan that they were defeated by Catwoman. At the Irina Dubrovna residence, Selina is watching over her sleeping baby. Batman appears out of the shadows. He is given a full scholarship to any college Helena wants when the time comes. Also, he brings a teddy bear. 
Batman isn't sure that Holly Robinson is up to the task of being Catwoman. Holly returns to the scene of the earlier fight. She picks up a booby-tracked academic triangle, which explodes and disables her. The photographer from earlier puts his boot on her neck and says that she screwed up his life and he is going to return the favor. He pulls off Holly's mask and duct tapes her mouth and zip ties her at the edge of a building. Holly uses her cat claws to cut the zip ties and scrapes at his face. He hits her with a triangle, but she pummels him. The whole event was caught by a bystander on his cell phone. Selena is up late watching a midnight movie hosted by a local film freak, is what he calls himself. This guy is fixated on serial killers. He also has the video taken of Holly without her Catwoman mask and airs it. Luckily, you can't see Holly's face. The film freak calls the photographer named Angelo Bend and asks if he would like to fight Catwoman again so they could get more photos. Holly is out Catwomaning and has a new partner, Wildcat. He's a punch-first, ask-questions-later kind of superhero. Lenahan goes to see Edison, the film freak, and wants a copy of the Catwoman video. After some intimidation, he gets what he came for. Selena yearns for the day when she was Catwoman, bounding from rooftop to rooftop. She gets a nanny for Helena and puts on her Catwoman suit, which now doesn't quite fit because of her added baby weight. She's able to finally get it on and sets out into the Gotham night. She's attacked by one of Edison's gang that Holly fought earlier. He's about to shoot Selena, Catwoman, when Holly, Catwoman, drops what looks to be, I don't know, a couch on him. The two Catwoman chat, but they are being caught on film by one of Edison's guys. Lenahan sees the film and realizes that there are two Catwomen. Edison has figured out Selena's alias, Irina Dubrovna, which is a character from the movie Cat People. That's what you get when you're fighting a, uh, a movie fan and you give a movie a trivia question as your secret alias. Indeed, you know, and it's, it's no surprise <laughs> that somebody out there figured that out. Yeah. He, and knowing her name, he's able to figure out her home address. Selena is taking a catnap in one of her Gotham hideouts when she gets a call from Helena's nanny. Something is wrong. Selena rushes home to find the nanny unconscious and Helena in the clutches of Edison and Angelo. Angelo is holding the baby and Edison is filming Selena. She turns off the lights in the room and turns on her night vision goggles. She's able to snatch Helena away from Angelo. He throws a triangle and hits her right by the Achilles tendon, which puts her on the ground. Edison comes in to get a close-up with his video camera, and Selena drives the camera into his eye. Ouch. She takes care of the two villains. Holly is arrested by Lenahan. He knows that, knows that she isn't the real Catwoman. She's taken into interrogation and gets to make her one phone call. She, called, she calls Wildcat to bust her out of police headquarters. He presumably does. Angelo tells her, tells Selena, that since they know who she is, they are going to tell the cops. Selena's in a bit of a pickle since she adheres to the strict no-kill-bat-family policy. So she calls in a favor. She asks Zatanna to come by to do an identity crisis mind wipe on the two baddies. She does, and Angelo goes to the GCPD to confess his crimes. Edison goes to the WUAB-TV studios to confess his crimes against cinema. 
and to kill John Rinaldi, the station manager. Oh, no. <laughs> the end. What a mess. Chris and I are going to talk about our feelings for this story after these words from some of our friends. Beautiful as Aphrodite. Wise as Athena. Stronger than Hercules. Swifter than Mercury. Explore the 75-year history of the Amazon princess with Wonder Woman, Warrior for Peace, a monthly podcast available on iTunes, Stitcher, and at wonderwomanwarriorforpeace.wordpress.com. Welcome back. So, Chris, uh, tell me uh, your ideas about this story. Well, the Adam Hughes covers are really, really gorgeous. And aside from one with Zatanna on it, I don't think these were over-sexualized images of any woman on these covers of Catwoman. Okay, okay. Seriously, I'll try to be fair. Uh, I know the majority of reviews for this book are favorable, but I just don't think the story clicked for me. Now, I'm going to try to find some positives. The artwork from the Lopez's are very, very good. It's very, very decent. This, mm-hmm. this is above average stuff. However, you know, one of the things that bothered me, I thought the coloring was off, and especially with respect to Selena's hair. It, you know, and you, some of the panels in some of the scenes, she, she's got her usual dark hair. Mm-hmm. And then later on, you know, in some other panels, it's like this lighter brown chestnut color. And, you know, that kind of threw me off here and there. And I never saw her with that shade of brown before since the uh, 77 Filmation cartoon. I mean, this was really, really light brown. Hmm. Um, it kind of confused me and was off-putting after a while. Structurally, the story uses a lot of flashback, and for some scenes, it does use this motif very effectively, with Will Pfeiffer picking and choosing what he wants to reveal and making the reader curious. Yes, I consider myself a huge Catwoman, Selena Kyle fan, but the supporting cast that we have here, Holly Robertson, Slam Bradley, Slam Jr., this just never seemed to fit in the Selena-verse that that I like, prefer, or that I'm accustomed to. I'm going to give a pass to Ted Grant slash Wildcat. He's got a long history that reaches back to the Golden Age, and he's been around practically as long as Catwoman herself. Uh, you know, honestly, until it was brought up in our last podcast, I forgot that Holly was Catwoman, and I think in my mind I tried to suppress it. <laughs> Jerry, you know, I'm guessing I think you liked this more than I did, but yeah. what were your initial thoughts? Well, I, first of all, I think that the story is well told. I mean, we, we've had a couple of other stories that really fall apart at the end. The logic doesn't make sense. It's just a bunch of, a bunch of scenes and, you know, filler. I don't think this book has any. I think this is a pretty, with a couple of exceptions, uh, I think it's a pretty tightly told story. The exceptions, I would say there's a, mm, a Green Lantern is brought in here. I don't, I didn't bring that up in my um, synopsis, but there, yeah, so there are a couple little side paths that this story takes, but they're very few and not really, don't impact the flow of the story very much. Um, I, I, so I agree. I'm a big uh, Selena Kyle fan as well. I wasn't as bothered as you were by the depiction of her here. And with the exception, I think that your your point about her hair color is really interesting because one of the real challenges of telling this story is having two different characters in almost the identical outfits at the same time. And, you know, which which Catwoman is this now? You know, is it a flashback to Selena Kyle's old days? Is it Holly in the present? Or is it Selena in the present? There's a lot of, you know, paying attention that, that you have to make. And I, I think, to be honest, that this story does a fair job of that, that... 
uh, one of the things that they use, um, the writer uses, is uh, uh, Holly has a roommate. And they mention her name. Holly periodically mentions her name. And so if she's in the Catwoman outfit, you go, ah, okay. She's, uh, I think it's Karen, I think is her name. And she mentions her. So you say, oh, okay, this is Holly. So I think it does a better job than expected dealing with that issue. So I, I just felt like it was a quick read uh, that had no dead ends, really. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the appearance of Green Lantern because usually this is an aspect of a story that I like. And to be clear, this is the Alan Scott Golden Age version of Green Lantern. Uh we also had Ted Grant Wildcat, and then we also had Slam Bradley. Now, these were characters that were originally uh, appeared in the Golden Age, and I like it when a story brings back these characters and gives them a nod and a homage. Do I ask myself if these characters were shoehorned in here just for the sake of relevance? No, I think I think they did. They were used more or less effectively. Green Lantern appears to uh, basically tell Ted. You know, hey, former JSA member, uh, come along. We got a mission to do. Up, oh, got my call. I got to go. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of cool. Um, Wildcat. I really wonder how old he is now, and I don't know if he's he's got this. Uh, if if these uh, silver uh, golden age characters, excuse me, had, had some kind of a de aging process. Who knows? But mm-hmm. it was it was nice to see them. But other than that, you know, Angleman, I always associate this guy with a uh, Wonder Woman rogue, uh, you know, being a Wonder Woman rose gallery. Um, one of my notes here that I had, uh, he first appeared way back in Wonder Woman number 70, cover dated November 1954. Wow. And he was just known for being a smart guy who covered all the angles, and he was going by the name Angle Andrews. Now, he's gone over a few different looks and appearance. The first, he wore this, uh, in the Bronze Age, he had, uh, you know, this tight, uh, fitting costume and goggles, and now he was going by the name Angelo Bend, and he's got this green bodysuit, and he's got this weapon called the Angler, which is this triangle-shaped device that could warp space and fa- yeah. face objects into people in other dimensions. You know, um, one thing of note, too, but we, we really didn't get into why why he appears here and what the background is. And again, I think this is one of the things that kind of does these DC traits of disservice is just having some type of uh, page synopsis of what went on before that you see over in Marvel Comics with their story arcs and things. Because I guess there was a violent encounter that happened in Catwoman number 59, or 49, excuse me, with uh, Angleman and Catwoman, and they just had a real, real violent encounter that we just don't get much allusion to here. So I thought that was that was kind of a, a little bit of a disservice how that fleshed out. Yeah, uh, I, I do have to say throwing those uh, triangles that's a terrible weapon. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, one thing I will I will say this though uh, for Pfeiffer I do like you know I heard him on a recent um, podcast called Double Page Spread which I was tuned on to by the Sutherlands oh, yeah. and you know he he's a real. Seems like a very affable guy. Seems like a very likable guy, and you could. Ju- and they were just, you know, in, in this podcast, he was just talking about his love for films, and he really knows his stuff. Ooh. Which seems like the film freak is a perfect villain for this. Yeah. However, this is the second incarnation of this villain, this guy named Edison, mm-hmm. and he's. This is his first appearance here in the story arc. I remember though, back in the eighties, uh, there was another one that was created by Doug Mensch and Tom Mandrake, and he first appeared in Batman three ninety five, and he seemed to be really more of a costume arch villain as opposed to this Edison guy here. And I'm not sure which version I like. I, I will say this Edison guy appears to be more realistic, mm-hmm. more perhaps relatable. Did you like Angleman or Film Freak 
over one more over another, Jerry? Or did you like like them both equally? I, I think I liked Angleman a little better in this case. I, I think you're absolutely right about Edison being relatable. He's, you know, I, I know people like that who talk in film references, and I do it myself sometimes, you know. Uh, I did find his overall his rap to get a little tedious you know it was everything has to do with a movie and uh that you know it just kind of wore a little thin for me after a while but uh i thought you know angelo was a uh, a good bad guy in this case just mm-hmm. just not those triangles that's just so dumb yeah the the huge issue with this you know, I think we well, we're going to have to bring this up eventually. Is is Catwoman and her being a mother? This was really interesting to read in how she set this up. We had a lot of lot of panels with personal insight, a lot of her nurturing, a lot of her worry for being in Gotham and what kind of world she's going to face when she matures. This was this was very telling, and it was one of the more stronger points of the story. But I'm trying to find in, if in my mind did this work and did this seem to be the same voice with the Celine and Catwoman I bet I'm accustomed to. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't know. This is kind of uncharted waters because we really don't get the exploration mm-hmm. into this. A part of me wondered, did she put on the costume too soon? It, should she have waited till she was ready and was – because Holly evidently wasn't ready in the top of her game. Yeah. So I thought some of the insights with respect to – the depiction of we had here with Selena accepting the situation was pretty interesting. And I, I will have to give some, not just for the points to that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that that raises a couple of interesting questions kind of a uh, higher level than just to the story is that, you know, who's the father of Selena's baby in this case, this is kind of comes out of nowhere. We don't really, you know, learn anything about the situation that, uh, you know, gives her, gives Selena the baby. Now, you know, it also raises the question with her name being Helena, you know, what universe is this? <laughs> is, uh, you know, back in the golden age, Helena Wayne was the daughter of Bruce and Selena, right? Selena has a baby with Bruce and that ultimately becomes Huntress, but, I don't think that that's what's meant here. Uh, I don't think, uh, you know, are the birds of prey part of this universe here? Right. Jerry, you brought up two excellent points. And this this is where I had two of my hugest issues with the story. One was just with how flippant Selena comes up with the name uh, Helena because it rhymes with Arena. You know, you know her name, Dubrovov. And what really that's that's it there there's no mention of it being a grandmother name a name of the family or just something you like because it rhymed with another name i thought i thought that really did a disservice to the character and who agreed who is the father of selena's baby we don't know here it's not revealed till later on that it's uh slam bradley jr and that's not even even told in this story and and we we just get a lot of uh teasing and you would think there would be some kind of hint or drop of a mention, but no, you're, you're kind of agonizing and torturing the reader at this point, yeah. plowing through these six issues, trying to find out who is this guy, why isn't he here, why isn't he present, and, and there's, it's just not addressed. I, I really had a problem with that. Uh, just for what it's worth, yeah, it, it is Slam Bradley Jr., as is, is weird as this sounds. Um, 
This doesn't come revealed until later on in Catwoman uh, number 62. And again, we're here in volume three. Uh, it's also revealed that his death has uh, happened, and that's revealed as in the flashback. Uh, just to keep on going with this, Helena is later given up for adoption. Selena asks Zatanna to erase memories of her. What? Really? Come on. You know, I mean, you know, so, and then we basically, you know, kind of forget this ever happened. I mean, that's, that's, that's really sad. That's really sad that we don't, we don't have any of these elements of that story in this book here. Mm, yeah. I, I think so. I could definitely understand somebody really looking deeply into the continuity of this book is just—it's kind of a mess. Uh, so I definitely understand that being problematic for some for some readers. Sure. So and also, let's also talk about the end. Um, you know, Edison gets away. Uh, Zatanna Zatanna's mind wipe and suggestion uh, instead of confessing his crimes to the police he confesses his crimes to um i guess a movie reviewer of some kind and then kills him yeah <laughs> and how violent was that oh yeah it was uh, yeah it was it was a pretty uh, violent scene there and uh, apparently uh, not all of uh, zatanna's things work effectively there and you you know i was, I was kind of left hanging with 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 res- with, with a resolution and it just seemed to have an abrupt ending there and, and no closure and I guess you know I don't know if that's telling the readers well you'll have to buy the next issue or trade paperback to see how this gets resolved and I, I kind of felt a little cheated with that yeah and and also uh, Holly we're, we just have to assume that wildcat's gonna get her out of the pokey right right uh, and you know that's one thing we haven't examined either Jerry so let's talk about Holly for a second or yeah. two Holly Robinson here she is uh, she willingly puts on the tights and she goes out as Catwoman I didn't find her a dislikable character in this particular read but at the same time I just didn't see her as Catwoman what were your thoughts of Holly Robinson in this book yeah I, it seemed to me that she was kind of obviously in over her head um and uh, I'm surprised that Selena didn't see that. You know, Batman saw it. She meant he mentioned that to her. Uh, but I'm surprised that she didn't see it. And it might be just because she wanted her to be ready so badly. She kind of pretended to herself that she was. Yeah. Now, just just of a note for the listeners too. Let's go into Holly Robinson's history a little bit. She first appeared in Batman number 404. That was in the Batman Year One story arc by uh, Frank Miller and Dave Muzzichelli. Uh, she was a friend and acquaintance of Selina Kyle. You know, but back then, I think when that story ended, God, I'm trying to remember, I think she wound up going to a convent before that was uh, all said and done. Later on, uh, Catwoman appeared in the title Action Comics Weekly in the late 80s, and I think around 1988, the character was killed off, you know, and Selena had to go and investigate the death. Now, Ed Brubaker brings back the character Holly Robinson, and he later admits in an interview that he wasn't aware the character had been killed off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, it was explained that the action comic story didn't exist due to the events in the Zero Hour, and that's how they kind of cleaned it up. Uh, I think she appears in, the, yeah, in the DC Comics Rebirth universe. Uh, we we see that um, she's kind of uh, done these. Uh, supposedly done these murders and stuff like that and it was uh, said to be Catwoman but in reality it was Holly I think uh, also she's going by the name Catherine Ann Turley in this so Holly Robinson you know 
it seems like every decade there's a different incarnation of this character, and we just don't know what, what we're getting, you know, from from decade to decade because there doesn't seem to be any consistency, which certainly doesn't do the character any uh, favors and, and does the readers a bit of disservice because we, we keep on uh, doing all these retcons and things. She's active currently in the yes in the current books too. Yep. Yeah, uh, and and again, completely different character. Yes. <laughs> so, what did uh, you think uh, re- uh, regarding the art in in these books? I, you know, I really didn't have a problem with it. I thought the covers were gorgeous. Uh, like I said, I thought the Zatanna one was maybe a little too cheesecakey for for some readers' taste. Mm-hmm. But by and large, I, I certainly don't think this was a uh, over glamorized or over sexualized version of Catwoman on any of the covers. Mm-hmm. I thought the uh, work that was done. With respect to the artwork, was pretty decent. I, I really had no qualms with it. Uh, there was nothing that really particularly stood out in a particular favorite panel or favorite sp- uh, spread, you know, uh, splash page or anything. But you know, I thought it was all right. How about you? I thought that I really like the colors in this book, and I agree with you. Uh, well, the the first time we see Zatanna, she's. That the panel is like a vivid, rich color, as opposed to some of the more muted colors we had been used to leading up to it. So I thought that was really beautiful. And these covers are some of them are really, really cool. There's one with uh, Selena kind of uh, in a in a robe and slippers uh, with a with a cooking spoon, and uh, and Helena in a stroller. That looks pretty funny. Yeah, that kind of was reminiscent to like a, for like a lone wolf and cub kind of thing, you know, yeah. like with, with with the with that particular one there. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. yeah. And then there's another one, but it's it this one is odd. It has her uh in her catwoman suit stirring a cup of coffee with uh kind of a a band-aid over her nose and it looks I mean, she's got a little little smirk on her face that looks looks really cool. But then if you look at her hand, her hand looks like almost hyper realistic. Uh like a bash key, you know, he traced a real hand over. Yeah. It. Yeah. It, it's unusual but striking. Yeah, I think my favorite cover of the lot was 55, where Selena's in this all-night diner, and she's looking out the window, and she sees Holly in a Catwoman costume just going over the rooftops, and there's just this look of fear and dread on her face Uh, that, you know, I should be doing this and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's that's a good cover. Colorful. and Very much so, yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Okay, well, that's fantastic. So, all right, we we gave uh we, you gave us the bad news. How are you going to rate this, Chris? Jerry, you know I hate to do it. this. is probably the lowest book I'm going to rate, and you know I, this just doesn't work for me. For now, I was teetering on a two, but I have to go. I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to go one and a half out of five bats. Can I give something a recommendation that I do like from Will Pfeiffer? I absolutely yeah. will. I really like his Aquaman Sub Diego trade paperback. Ooh. So please look for that. Um, you know, for a Catwoman story, hey, I'm going to go out off the board here, and I'm going to recommend Christie's Cattails fan fiction. Oh, okay, yeah. I did it. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> full dis- well, full disclosure, because people who know me know that I'm a friend of Chris's, and we've yeah. known each other for at least 10 years. Now, in the author's own words, these stories are more complex and fully human than anyone thought possible. Mm-hmm. Hard-stopping romance, side-splitting humor, and poignantly understated tragedy. It's all here. The man inside the bat, the woman within the cat, the life between the panels, the truth beneath the masks. All here, Christie's Cattails fan fiction. You can just basically type Chris and then D-E-E. It's spelled Chris, C-H-R-I-S, D-D-E-E. And then just type in Cattails. 
That's Tales, T-A-L-E-S. And then you would just get to the website, and you're just going to get a rich uh library of fan fiction now up front uh, i will have to tell you this you're gonna have to invest some time with this this is this is this is a read that makes you think this is not a fast read this is someone who writes a lot and puts a lot of detail a lot of imagery out there so you're gonna have to probably uh, allow yourself enough time just this is nothing that you're gonna have to say well i I got five minutes but let me look (laughs) at but you know you're, you're gonna have to probably you know take a good you know each chapter read is a good fifteen minutes or so, and you're gonna you're gonna be fully enriched for it. And that's that's what I think, mm-hmm. Jerry. I know you like this much better than I did, and so did I think the majority of people out there online. If uh, if I'm reading everything correctly, what did you rate this? Well, I would give it a higher rating. I would definitely. I, I really enjoyed this quite a bit. I would go as high as four um, better ratings, <laughs> and the reason I would is I I completely understand all of the reservations that you have. Uh, this is continuity wise, it's a mess. Uh, there was some crazy stuff going on at the time, and this just seemed to be way out there. But the story itself made sense. I could sit down, and I felt like there was a beginning, a middle, and an end. It just seemed well-packaged. The art was good. The colors were good. I just had a really good... It, it seemed like an effortless read for me, just very enjoyable. A lot of, a lot of cool detail to look at, and the story didn't get bogged down by... Uh, you know, too many side plots. So I'm going to go um, for Batarangs. I, I also liked seeing Selena as a mom and seeing, you know, that's an interesting aspect of her character to uh, investigate. Now, in terms of whether I think this is a must read or who I'd recommend it for, I would recommend it, but with those reservations that this is not a good place to learn about continuity. This is... <laughs> <laughs> If you're a brand new reader, just take all the details with a grain of salt because you're not. You're, it's going to be more confusing than not. Um, but uh, I, I would recommend this to Selena Kyle fans uh, just to see this aspect of her relationship, whether you like it, whether it works for you or not. How about you uh, regarding must read or recommend? I just don't know if it fits in today's. Catwoman. I, I almost think I hate to say this is almost like an asterisk in the character's history, mm-hmm. because a lot of things we don't know if this is still going to be in continuity or not. I think if you are if you're a Catwoman completist, I'll, I'll put it that way. You know that that's something to go for, but I, I wouldn't put it in a must read. I think this is a completist only category for me, and even then, I have some reservations. Sure. You know that's 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 where it's at, and I can see your points too, Jerry. It's, it's interesting to see a dynamic of a Catwoman that is a mother, what she's struggling with. Am I putting on the costume too soon? Mm-hmm. Am I you know entrusting my my name and reputation with somebody? That I can, that I think is capable. There are some elements that we're looking at here. I just don't know if this is the Selena that I knew as a character, you know, from, from the history that I've had with her, that this is something that she would actually do. Um, she, this is something she might do eventually, but I just don't think this, how it played out here was, it almost felt rushed in, in the continuity and it was like, well, we're at this one year later phase of DC Comics. What should we do? Let's, let's see if, uh, this, this sticks. And I don't, I don't think this is something that's stuck. But, you know, hey, to each his own. And I know, uh, a lot of readers out there took to this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that sounds, uh, I, I definitely see where you're coming from. Well, thank you. So, Bat Books for Beginners is part of the BatmanUniverse.net network. 
We offer all the Batman-based weekly comic book reviews, news, and some great podcasts, including the flagship comic podcast, Everyone Loves the Drake, Batgirl to Oracle, and so many more. If you like what we offer, please consider donating to us at the TBU Patreon account. You can find a link to our Patreon account on the BatmanUniverse.net website. Now, Chris, there's some other things out on the web that you do. Uh, you're on Twitter. Is that right? Yes, thank you very much, Jerry. I'm on Twitter. I am My handle on Twitter is at BTO and BatBooks. Again, my Twitter handle is at BTO and BatBooks. And what I like to do is sometimes I'll just like uh, – tweet my weekend nightstand reads or on Saturday mornings I'll post a a TV Saturday morning listing of your and some pictures with that I like to look I'm I'm pretty nostalgic and I like to look at things sometimes I'll do some stuff with uh, opinion pieces or or whatnot I got some followers who are like-minded folks who tend to like what I do you know and it's weird because Twitter does does allow you to cross over multiple interests not just comic books but with respect to film and television and movies and just other artists and other people Jerry you're one of the the people I connect with on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Where can people find you on Twitter? Well, you can catch me at Professor Frenzy. That's at Professor Frenzy. And I cover my favorite books. Uh, I do short uh, 280-character reviews now that we can do 280 characters on Twitter. I do some Dark Shadows tweeting because that's one of my kind of uh, uh, nerdy interests. I do some indie comics. And I, Chris and I both... We do some live tweeting on Saturday nights uh, at hashtag Svengoolie. So uh, if you like bad horror movies or sometimes actually the one last night wasn't too bad, uh, come and join us. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great friendship. And uh, yeah. just for, for a little bit of disclosure to let people know when we're doing this, last night they did uh, – the Amazing Shrinking Man, which was one of my dad's favorite films of all time. Uh, yeah, so it, it was fun to watch that. And I tweeted out to Sven Gulli jokingly, hey, it'd be really cool if you did The Amazing Colossal Man next week. You uh, know? And he tweeted back, sorry, we don't have that in our library. And I thought, wow, Sven actually tweeted back to me you know, and stuff yeah. like that. And then some guy said, well, hey, you know, let the fans vote what we want. And I thought, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to yeah, get into yeah. the football. No, Sven, I love your show. Full disclosure, I apologize if you got any unwanted tweets and everything like that. I, I don't want to leave it up to a fan vote. You just do what you do. You've got a loyal following, including myself. And me. And, and me. <laughs> and Jerry. So so yeah, we we have a great time. So that yeah. that was a lot of fun. He tweeted back at me too. I had a I forgot about the scene uh, in the basement where she left the cake, and I was wondering where that cake came from. And uh, he he tweeted me reminding me about it. <laughs> How cool is that though? That so you know he's great. paying attention and he's doing the live tweeting during the show as well. You know that's really that's really cool. Yeah, he just builds a builds a community. It's terrific. Yep, absolutely. Jerry, you know, I don't want to let this go. You know, you do some really good reviews on the BatmanUniverse.net, and one of the things that I'm really enjoying is your take on Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. Uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying that book. Uh, I had I had started it when it when it first came out at Rebirth, and I kind of gave up on it. But then I started, I heard some good things about it, started going back to it, and then uh, got assigned it. To, to do the reviews, and I couldn't be happier. I, I'm really, really enjoying that book. Yeah, I am too, especially with the current story arc that they have in progress yeah. right now, and I'm really enjoying what your take is on this. Oh, so, yeah, if you want to check out Jerry's awesome reviews of Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, and also Harley and Ivy meet Betty and Veronica, uh, I would direct you to the BatmanUniverse.net. Wow, thank you. And you're doing some other... Uh, uh, podcasting and and various things i heard you on uh soundtrack alley with randy andrews 
Yeah, that was a lot of fun. We covered the bat murder story arc from the uh, mid-70s, so that happened over in Detective Comics, which was a really great clash between Batman and Ra's al Ghul, a battle of wits, if you will, <laughs> that I love between those two characters. That's and you can cool. also find me on the Batgirl the Oracle podcast with the talented Stella, yeah. who looks at uh, the Barbara Gordon Batgirl and all the facets of uh, that particular character. Great reviews, great guests. Can't recommend that show any more higher than our own. <laughs> no, but, no, but no, honestly, no, uh, Stella does a great show, and that's how I got my uh, foot in the door with the Batman universe, so I can't be more thankful to Stella and the Batman universe. And over there, I'm reviewing the Batman Adventures comic book. Uh, this wow. is the uh, comic that was based on the animated series, and these are stories from the uh, 90s. Which I think got uh, underrated. Uh, I know they were collected in trades, but I really don't know if they got its due with as far as recognition and as far as its readership. You know, when you have a title that's aimed at a younger audience, sometimes the uh, distribution isn't as there. They don't print as many issues. And I thought there was a real good wealth of great Batman stories out there that I just don't know if a Batman fan may have known existed. So I'm, I, I'm liking what I'm doing there, and I'm hoping some readers check this out. Yeah, I like what you're doing there, too. It makes it uh, really interesting. I also love the uh, – you did the Two-Face um, movie review. That was terrific. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed that, and that's something I would recommend. Even if you're not a fan of the uh, 66 Batman TV series, you know – Granted, this is what it's based on, but I think there's there's still a great Batman and Two Face story. William Shatner is excellent as Two Face too, by the way. So yeah, if you haven't checked that out yet, please please uh, look for that and give that a view. Great. So we also have some other folks uh, and other podcasts that we listen to. One of them is the Cosmic Treadmill with uh, Chris Sheehan, which on Twitter is at Ace Comics, and Reggie Reggie. That's at Reggie Reggie on Twitter. And Chris and Reggie discuss classic comics, and they give you just so much detail. They do voices. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. And it's a lot of fun. Even if you don't like the comic, the comic's not so good, you're going to have fun listening to them talk about it because it's a, it's a good time. Absolutely. And we're also, of course, uh, uh, talking with the Sutherlands. Uh, they do the podcast Warlord World, Xenozoic Xenophiles, and Trekker Talk. So that's always, uh, th- their shows are always fun. Sure, that's Warlord Worlds that examines the work of Mike Rell, Xenozoic Xenophiles, that looks at the Mark Schultz artwork and the stuff that he did over in the Cadillacs and Dinosaurs series. And Trekker Talk, that looks at the stuff uh, from uh, Ron Randall with uh, the character Trekker. Mm-hmm. So really, really good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, they've been doing some that that Trekker. They just did a, uh, um, a there's a new trade release, and they did a review of that trade. They went through it kind of page by page, and it was so interesting. I yeah. definitely recommend that. Yep. Uh, there are also some likes and retweets. Now, we didn't get as much as usual, but to be fair, this uh, last episode that we had dropped over the Thanksgiving weekend, and everyone's out there spending time with their uh, relatives and doing their holiday thing and shopping and whatnot. So, but that said, we did still get some likes and retweets out there, so I do want to give a shout-out to the aforementioned Christian at Ace Comics. also heard again from Kristen Clark at ChrisDoodle79. Hey, thanks again, Chris. Yeah. Two, that's two in a row. Drew Love at Bubble Chucker. Darren Murphy at Darren Murphy, Jeffrey Betcherer at JBeck BPD, Adil Syed at Frozen Gothamite, and of course our host, the Batman Universe at Batman yeah. Universe. Now, if we overlooked you, which is possible, or we didn't mention you this time, uh, please let us know, and we'll be sure to mention you in our next show. Hey, thank you very much, and we appreciate all those likes and retweets on Twitter. Thanks so much. So that's all we have for today. Please join us in two weeks, where Chris and I will cover Nightwing. Brothers in Blood. 
Ooh, <laughs> <this is> spooky. <laughs> so my name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And thank you for listening to Bet Books for Beginners. Batman's lady, Bruce Wayne's lady, she's a sharp, sexy lady, Bruce Wayne's lady, beautiful lady, Bruce Wayne's lady, heart and love lady, Bruce Wayne's lady, sells heart and soul, give everything he owned, would be easy to reform if she could go straight for one night. Welcome to Bad Books for Beginners. Chris and Jerry go to Gotham after dark to visit with the one and only Selena Kyle in Catwoman one year later. Welcome to Bad Books for Beginners.